today on From A to Ziggy. Always crashing in the same car. Welcome to From A to Ziggy, the podcast in which we are listening to every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order. My name is Thomas. My name is Travis. And today we're talking about Always Crashing in the Same Car from the Low album, 1977. This is a really cool song. Yeah, this is another. This is a nice, weird one from his uh, his nice, weird period. Yeah, this is a very low-sounding song. Yeah, this, this is a song that definitely comes from Low. Um, this is the first song we're talking about from Low, I believe. So, this is as good a time as any to talk about the sound of Low, what it means to be an album from Low. This is a really exciting album. This is a really just so different, um, in a lot of different ways. So this is uh, scene, 1977, um, Berlin slash uh, in Switzerland. Bowie it has just sort of fled LA and the corrosive influence of cocaine. His his whole situation there, recording station to station, the paranoia. He's doing a new album. It's going to be radically different. He's he's getting sober. And these new songs are going to be much more, I don't want to say introspective, but they're a lot less wordy than songs like Station to Station. Yeah, he was moving away from a, his narrative style and kind of pushing into more of a more abstract. Yeah, right. And so there are a lot of songs on this album that have absolutely no words at all. There's one that's got uh, just made up words. And the, ones, the songs that do have words have tantalizingly few words like this one doesn't even have a not really even a proper chorus and it's kind of a it's sort of capturing a moment capturing one event very interesting event yeah right so it it centers around a very basic theme that we've all encountered it's a basic theme as seen through a very specific incident so the theme it's a feeling of just always repeating the same mistakes over and over and over in life but the imagery in the song, so he talks about driving at a high speed in circles or on a hotel garage, checking for danger, but still crashing. And it refers to a, uh, a real incident in his life that occurred when he was doing a lot of cocaine, where he had spotted a drug dealer on the streets who had he believed had ripped him off. So he, in retaliation, repeatedly rammed his car into the dealer's car. And when he returned to his hotel... He ended up just driving around in circles in the hotel's underground garage. Yeah, that's a pretty intense story if it's true. Yeah. Crashing your car into someone's car, which, I mean, you can doesn't seem as far-fetched when you consider that it's L.A., you're high on cocaine, Yeah. Uh, it's late at night, and you have a fit of anger. You lash out. Yeah. And it's interesting the way... So you would expect someone who's singing about something that happened in a cocaine-fueled haze, you would expect it to be this kind of like rapid, rapid pace to it. Because, you know, that's just what songs about cocaine generally are. It's it's that, like, that feeling of this, like, rapid, like, oh my god, oh my god, right? See the entire album prior to this. Yeah. Whereas this, um, now he's looking back on it in his sobriety, it's, it's really almost more spoken word, a lot of the song. It's not even really... I mean, there are parts where he is singing, but a lot of it is just this kind of drifting spoken word over very interesting synthesizers. And it reminded me a lot of uh, 
the song, I believe it's called You Always Make Me Sad or I Always Make You Sad. I can't remember the name of it, but it's on uh, Supergrass album, In It For The Money, where it's just like this droning synthesizer the whole time. And it sounds kind of like circusy, but like dark circus. Hmm. Um, so it kind of like conjured up a lot of that for me. Like Insane Clown Posse. Um, no. Sure. Okay. Take Insane Clown Posse. And then think of what's not like that. That's yeah. what you're. So like if like if insane clown posse was genius. Okay. In any way. <laughs> so, so in the real world. In the real world. Yeah, it's a dark. It's a haunting song about a haunting feeling. Yeah, and see, you don't even get this sense of uh, remorse about what's what happened either. It's, it's just, just kind of it happened. Coldly observing, uh, reminiscing about this thing. He's not sorry about it, about doing this crazy thing. He's going 94, I guess, miles per hour because it was in L.A. Yeah. Either way, it's fast, you know, for a garage. Well, no, he does reference kilometers, so maybe it's kilometers per hour. So, yeah, and so you have two different perspectives in the two verses. You have the first one where you're out on the road, and then the second one where you're down in the hotel garage. You have the first one where you're, you're driving on the road, you've got you know, these long stretches and you've got, you know, red lights and you're obeying traffic rules. Um, you're being careful. You're looking left and right. Nevertheless, crashing in that car, mm. uh, it's like a fatalistic outlook on it. So why not like, go do something <laughs> crazy with your car, drive it too fast, uh, just push the pedal down to the floor because um, you're going to crash anyway. Yeah. You might as well do something insane. Now, this, I guess that's the message. Of the I song. think that's the message, which makes it feel like it's a song like that should speak well to people with anxiety problems, which is kind of something that I picked up on when I was listening to it, because that would be me. And, and that kind of feeling of always falling into that same trap, no matter how careful you are, because you're always super careful, because everything is going to kill you. Um, and occasionally getting that kind of fit of, screw it, I need to drive 94 in the garage because being terrified of everything is clearly not working out. Right, it's um, not keeping awful things from happening. Yeah, I, I wish this song had been more in my life when I moved from Providence to Boston because I feel like this song kind of encapsulates that time in my life very well where the first verse is kind of, uh, so I, I had, uh, you know how everyone has that like period where like if I moved somewhere else, everything is going to change and I'm going to be the best version of me and blah, blah, blah. Right. Clean um, slate. Clean new slate. New friends, new career. New life. Going to leave the nervous, paranoid, terrified of everything person in Connecticut and go and be this crazy, wild man in Providence. But really, I was still doing that same, like, looking around every corner and just, but still finding myself in all the same kind of ruts and traps. And then... After several years of that, going into the garage, gunning 94, moving to Boston. And all of that worked out better than it does for him in this song, because I didn't crash into anything. Haven't crashed any cars yet. I have not crashed any cars yet. I haven't crashed, uh, much less crashed the same car. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how I feel about that interpretation, whether that's really the right one to take. I don't think, I mean, it probably isn't, but that's like an initial. But it's got this sort of mellowed out, reflexive tone to it. Again, like you said, the almost spoken word. It's, it's neither glorifying these risky ventures nor expressing remorse. It's just sort of observational. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's objective. all you need is someone to make the observation. 
Yeah, right. So just, yeah, you might crash into a pole, but go 94 at some point. And just the overall sentiment is something, like I said, everyone can relate to. Everyone's felt like they just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over. And unfortunately, this doesn't really... Uh, this song, this is more of the song that's helping you get that like actualization that that's where you are. It's not going to tell you how to get out of it. And he's just making observations. Hey, man, you just keep just driving and you keep crashing the same car. Okay, where, where do I go next? Well, you got to figure that part out. Right, and when you're coming out of, when you're making a really important transition in your life, like picking up and moving out of L.A., sobering up, going uh, to Berlin and trying to reinvigorate your creative spirit, Finding new collaborators, uh, you need that kind of just objective realization. And also reminding this is a considerably less serious, more literal thing that just popped into my head when I was reading the lyrics and then singing the song. Maybe think of when I was 18 and I had this couple week period where I did literally keep crashing in the same car. Minor crashes. So I had gone to an auto zone because I needed to get a new headlight for my car. It just kind of, it just went. I had a headlight out. So I... Do we need to bleep out the name of this No, the, the, the place doesn't really factor. It just okay. happens to be where I was. It was All kind right. of ironic that I was there, I guess. So I had kind of a wide car. I wasn't really very... I had only been driving by myself for not very long. And I backed out, and I felt myself bump into this truck that was in the space behind me. And while myself and uh, my girlfriend at the time were sitting there in the car debating whether or not I should leave a note, this guy knocks on my window and just lays into me. He was basically like if you picture someone who's got a giant truck who likes their giant truck too much. I'm picturing it. Yeah. Did he have a baseball bat? He did not have a baseball bat. Did he have a tank top? I think he was wearing a tank top. This was like, this was many, many years ago. This is, yeah, this is like 16 years ago. But yeah, he gets out and starts like screaming at me. Mind you, I was backing out going like maybe four miles an hour. And I got out of my car and I saw that like there was like a little line of paint on his car. And I was, you know, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'll get, you know, I got like, like 20, you know, I got some cash on me and give me some cash to buy some paint to cover that up. And he starts screaming at me about how like I dented in the headlight that was inside the bumper and it was going to cost him hundreds of dollars to fix. And I, at that time, my car insurance was through my mom. So I was like basically pleading with this guy to not go through the cops and make this more of a thing than it has to be. So I ended up having to like gun it to the bank that was really nearby and take out a hundred bucks just to give this guy money to shut up. Did you gun it in your car? I did gun it in my car. And I almost rear-ended someone when I was on my way to the, <laughs> on my way to the bank to pay the guy off. So you almost crashed I almost in crashed the in the same car twice. And now a week after that... I was driving that same car, and I was on my way to go pick up the same girl to give her a ride to work. And I had, at that time, one of those car disc man setups where it's like the cassette tape that you put in and, you know, you just the plastic your disc man. And yeah. yeah, it doesn't really roll tape. It just, yeah, it's just sends there. a signal to the exactly. player. So I had one of those setups, but the, uh, the auto reverse on my... Now my tape player was kind of screwed up or sometimes it would just flip over to the other side if I was listening to a regular tape even. Um, if it does that, does it play the CD backwards? It just like would cut out and oh. then oh. pick back up. It, yeah, it didn't do anything neat that's, or interesting. It was just really thing. annoying. So I was driving and I was paying more attention to my, my car disc man doing that than I was to the road. And I... I'm starting to put this story together. Yeah, I, so there was a sharp corner. I ended up kind of bouncing my car off the guardrail. But I kept going. So I was like, all right, okay, small setback. I'm fine. 
So I get to this girl's house to pick her up to bring her to work, and she tries to open the door, and it's not opening, and she's, like, getting very confused and frustrated, so I'm like, screw it, just get in through my, through my side. And she's like, did you get in a car accident this morning? Because they're, like, my front blinker was, like, dangling oh. down, and there was a dent in the side, and I was like, no, I didn't get in an accident, I don't know why you would think that. <laughs> and we drive, like, five minutes up the road, and I'm like, I, I have a confession, I, you know, I told her what happened, and she's like, yeah, no shit. Man, I, I couldn't get in your car this morning. So she spent the entire summer having to climb in and out of the window of my car because I couldn't get the door open. And I had to rig up my blinker with duct tape and uh, like a manipulated coat hanger. So yeah, that was my, my literal always crashing in the same car. Um, but to get back on track, you mentioned something about new collaborators. And that was a pretty pivotal moment right there. His yeah, new right. collaborator on this album. So there's this whole end part of this song is this great guitar solo and in, in, in the middle of all that there's this awesome synthesizer coming in uh, with all these great whoop whoop sounds really cool sounds yeah. coming in and this is Brian Eno um, we've talked about Eno before but this is uh, this is the earliest Brian Eno that we've talked about so far so Eno gets called in on this album and he makes like a lot of important contributions to it and Tony Visconti comes back and produces this record. And one of the really cool signature sounds of Low is the snare drum sound that they got, that Tony Vis Visconti came up with. They were looking for something cool to do, and they called Tony Visconti, who I think was in America at the time. They called him up and, and said, what do you have that you can bring into the studio? We want, we want something new. And Visconti's got this kind of new electronic sound effect machine called a harmonizer from the company Eventide. And what it does is it's able to lower, raise or lower the pitch of a sound automatically. So you can sing something and then it's kind of like the predecessor to auto-tune. You can just sort of automatically change the pitch and it, it doesn't like change the speed like the chipmunks, yeah. you know, where you had to record it at half speed and then speed up the tape so that it, it changes the pitch. It'll change the pitch without changing the speed, basically. And so the way that Tony Visconti described it to them over the phone was that it, um, self-censor myself, it messes uh, with the fabric of time. And they, Bowie and Eno, lost it over the phone. Uh, like, they were hooping and shouting at each other. They said, this is great. We need the sound. That sounds great. Whatever that means. <laughs> it's kind of this weird, vague description. Whatever that means, we need this for this record. So what they did was they took, and I think this was a combination of Visconti and Eno that came up with how to use it, but they took Dennis Davis's snare drum and they fed that through the harmonizer so that they shifted the pitch down. And then they delayed it a little bit so that it was kind of like an echoey, this uh, sort of like... Right. And then they fed that sound back into the harmonizer again. So it's like a feedback loop and delayed it again so that it's like this but faster. So it's like this descending sound. And so that's the signature sound. That's one of the signature sounds of the low album. Most of the drums have this uh, sound effect on it. And it's this weird kind of alien sound, robotic sound. Um, that was completely new. And people tried for years to replicate it and tried to guess at how it was done. Uh, it wasn't until years later that the story came out and how it was done. And Dennis Davis would use that effect in how he was playing. So he would like alter, he could change the way he hit the snare drum, the timing of it, to take, take that into account, make that part of the whole drum sound. 
yeah, there's so much production stuff with Lowe. And if you want to read more about that, uh, Hugo Wilkins' book on Lowe from the 33 and a Third series is a great resource for that. He goes and describes every, every song on the album. But I think that's enough for now. We're, there's lots more opportunities to talk about. Yeah, we're going to be uh, getting a lot of later. technical stuff with Lowe. Yeah, and so we'll get back to uh, Brian Eno and the whole crew for another episode. In the meantime, did we rate this song? We have not rated it. We have song. not rated this song. Let's uh, rate this song. All right, let's... Uh... Uh, I, I, this song is touching close to five for me. It's really touching closer to four. I, w- I was leaning four. Because it is so weird. And it's, it's, this is like what we were talking about when we were talking about Aladdin Sane. We were kind of drawing the parallel like where this was such a game changer. It was kind of like how Kid A was for Radiohead. So that, yeah, I'll give it, a, give it four because it was so different, so innovative. Give it four crashing cars. Four crashing cars. Yeah, it kind of gets, it gets a boost for being on low and just being so different. But it shares a lot of qualities with a lot of the songs on low. But I think fair. I think it's fair enough to give it that boost. Uh, it deserves a four. It earns the four. Um, yeah, I like the song. It is, without hesitation, it is an amazing song. It is mm-hmm. amazing. Uh, which, coincidentally enough, is the next song. Ah! Uh, the next song we're going to cover is. Uh, you might not think that we were going to cover Tin Machine songs, but we are. Uh, I'm very excited about this. Amazing is going to be the next episode. The next episode is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. You can check us out on Facebook and Twitter. We are at From A to Ziggy, from A to Ziggy.com. Email us at podcast at From A to Ziggy.com. Comments, questions, let us know if you want to be on, be a guest on From A to Ziggy, uh, your favorite podcast. Leave us a rating on iTunes and check us out next time for Amazing. You know, it kind of reminds me of this story from many, many years ago when I was, I was driving my truck and I really loved my truck. And then some stupid kid backs into my <laughs> truck.